0: This morning we continue our series in Colossians, with which Matthew started last week. Um, in our Bibles, uh, the Church Bibles, we're in, uh, page uh, 1182, um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Um, while, you, while you're going there, um, page uh, 1182, Colossians chapter 1, um, while you're finding that, I want to ask you three questions. These, these questions um, are from Glenn Scrivener. Many of you will know Glenn, who's been with us twice already this year, an excellent speaker and communicator of the truth of God. Um, And on this passage, he asks these three questions. So when you picture God, what do you think of? When you picture Jesus, what do you think of? And when God pictures you, what does he think of? These are the three questions that that Glenn asked, and actually throughout uh, this morning, I'll be drawing on some of his um, his thinking, his material on Colossians chapter one. But what I'd like you to do is to think: What is your gut reaction to these questions? Not the answer that you're supposed to give, not the, the Sunday school answer, the one that you know is, is right. What's your What's your gut reaction to, to these questions? Because your answer to these questions may change over time, sometimes even change day to day. You may be here and asking some of these questions for the first time and exploring. When you picture God, what what do you think of? Do you think of someone large and impersonable, someone that you can't actually get near? Maybe you may think um, that God is an an angry God. When you picture Jesus, what, what do you think of? You may think of a baby in a manger. You may think of a good man. When God pictures you, what does He think of? Is someone that is um, He delights in, or is someone that is completely ir- irrelevant to, to, to this world? So, as I say, these the questions, the answers to these questions can change from day to day, from moment to moment, and seasons to season in our lives, and. What I'd like us to do this morning is to allow God's truth to shape what we believe, not how we feel when we wake up. So this morning, you may have felt really good because you had an extra hour's sleep. Um, if you have kids, then whichever way the clocks go, you, you tend to lose out. So you kind of wake up feeling grumpy for, for, because you missed out on something. You're not entirely sure what, but you feel like you've definitely missed out. Um, are we... Are we to be shaped by those feelings, the the feelings that we feel the first thing in the morning? Because each of these questions have unhelpful and wrong answers, and we can often listen to these, and we have a choice whether we listen to how we feel or whether we listen to God's truth. So wherever we are this morning, let's look at this passage and allow God's truth to shape what we think and what we believe. So let's read from Colossians chapter 1 But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful passage, which is packed full of of truth, that's packed full of the wonder of who you are. Lord, I pray that we would have eyes to see this morning. I pray that our hearts will be open and let your truth to shape how we think, how we feel, and how we act, and ultimately, Lord God, to bring you glory. Amen. Amen. So Paul's writing to the church in, in Colossae, and last week we looked at um, how we're to be praying big prayers. This week we're, we're looking at Christ over all. This is one of the most famous poems or hymns about Jesus. It's uh, famous throughout New Testament, throughout, throughout time. This is a passage that people go back to time and again, um, looking at uh, the wonder of who Jesus is. In here, we find vital truths because we've already seen our feelings can change from from moment to moment and and day to day. When life is going well, we can think, yes, God God is good. I I feel that today. When it's hard, we can be tempted to think God doesn't care or, or God doesn't see us. And when we're feeling low, we can think there's no way that God can love someone like me. These truths are important because it can appear at times that Jesus isn't supreme. He isn't reigning over all. Where we see pain, where we see suffering, where we see hurt, where we see chaos. Think of the the situation in in Spain at the moment. You think, how how can Christ be supreme over all in the midst of of this turbulent times? We can ask, is anyone in full control? Well, we need eyes to see the truth of the situation. And this passage helps us to do that. So let's look at the, the first question that, we, that Glenn Scrivener posed. Um, when you picture God, what do you think of? When you picture God, what do you think of? If I were to ask you to draw a picture of God, I, I wonder what you would do. It's, uh, it's quite a tough dictionary clue, isn't it, to, to draw the entirety of God, I guess, if you, if you did have that pictionary clue, you'd probably try and draw a, um, a big figure in with a big beard, and, and you kind of have some, some sense, or maybe like a, a powerful arm. But it's quite difficult to draw a picture of God. We see that there are, are many different views of God, many different ideas. And so why are there so many? Well, verse 15 tells us the sun is the image of the invisible God is the image of the invisible God. So it's hard to draw a picture of something or someone that is invisible. And we can come across in our daily lives many different pictures of God. Many people have different ideas. So I remember I was studying theology at, in, in Nottingham, and not a Bible college, just the, the normal secular university. And on the course, there were Hindus, there were Buddhists, there were Christians with a whole range of different views. Um, there are also atheists, all with a different picture of God. She I always thought it was interesting as an atheist studying theology. Like, why, why would you spend three years study, studying something that you, you didn't believe in? Um, which, is, which is interesting when you think of it like that. But I can understand why, because it is, it is fascinating to study. In fact, the author Terry Pratchett said, I think I'm probably an, an atheist but rather angry with God for not existing. <laughs> you may come across people like that and think, yeah, I don't think God exists, but I'm really angry with him about that. Um, so even if you do believe in, in the God of the Bible, you can have many different ideas. So um, my wife Vicky, before she uh, became a Christian, she'd been brought up in and around church and kind of knew the God of the Bible... Uh, but she thought that that God was all about spoiling her fun. She thought that God was all about rules and regulations. In fact, her idea was to kind of um, live a a fun life, and then later on, she was going to become a Christian and then um, do what you need to do at at that point. So even if we we do, around church, can hear um, talks, we can look at the Bible, we can have a wrong picture and a wrong view of who God is. So we have a problem, because God is invisible, and we are alienated from him, as we read in our passage. So how can we picture God? How do we know that our view of God is right? Well, verse 15 tells us the Son is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. So we look to Jesus. He tells us what we ought to picture when we think of God. At the beginning of creation, Adam was created to reflect God's image, but he chose sin, and that defaced the image of God. And we live in that shadow. But Jesus is the true and better Adam, perfectly reflecting God's image. So how do we know God? How do we know what he's like? Through Jesus. Jesus is the only way to God. We can't know God unless we come to Christ. And some people can find this This is too narrow. How can you say with with all these different pictures of of who God is and what he's like, how can you say there's only one way to God? Isn't that too narrow? Isn't that exclusive? Isn't that arrogant even? Well, this depends on how you view Jesus. It depends on how you view Jesus. So this leads us to our second question. Uh, When you picture Jesus, what do you think of? When you picture Jesus, what do you think of? So, you may think of a baby in a manger. You may think of Jesus being uh, meek and mild or a good teacher. You may think that because of what Jesus said about himself being God, you may think actually this guy is a madman. Well, Glenn Scrivener says if we think that the way to God is narrow, it's actually only as narrow as Jesus is. So, how narrow is Jesus? He goes on to say this, He is the eternal image of the invisible God, the creator and redeemer of the cosmos in whom the fullness of God dwells. He is vast. He is beyond imagining. He fills the universe, and the fullness of God fills him. If your Jesus is not this big, then... Oh, hang on a minute. There we go. If your Jesus is not this big, you've got the wrong Jesus. It's through Jesus alone, because there's no room for anyone Or anything else. He fills the universe and is filled by the fullness of God. He is the eternal Son of the Father, our Maker and our Saviour. There's no room for anyone else. It's not about being narrow. It's just about naming the true Lord of this world. The true Lord of this world is not Buddha or Allah or Krishna. He's Jesus. The true Lord of this world is not money, sex or power. He's Jesus. The true Lord of this world is not a big bang or a tiny particle or a long equation. He's Jesus. That's what Christ over all means. Jesus is our cosmic Lord and King, the uncreated creator and redeemer of the whole cosmos. And so, friends, if we truly grasp this, it, it changes everything. When we see that Jesus takes our salvation completely in his own hands, knowing that he does it all. That's what the the Bible calls faith. And it means crossing over from death into life. So often we can have that picture of of God being distant, of God being maybe on the clouds, a, a man with a big beard, high in terms of power but low in terms of personality. But when we see Jesus, we see one who laughs, who cries, one who shouts, one who eats, one who drinks, one who loves, one who, who stoops, who suffers, who bleeds, and who dies. This is who God is. And we must remove from our minds that wrong picture that can get built up. We must remove from our minds the picture that can be bombarded at us from so many different sources, and let the truth of God shape what we think. This is amazing truth. We're going to dig into uh, a bit more of this picture of Jesus because it's so important that we let this shape our minds. So let's go work through um, this passage and see what it says of Jesus. There's about six, I reckon. Are you okay with with six things about Jesus that help shape us? Yes, good, we're there. Okay, first one is he is supreme over creation. So verse 15 and 16 The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. That seems fairly complete, doesn't it? There's not a lot of room for anything else. And so when people say, actually, believing in Jesus, Jesus is the only way, that's narrow. But... He created all things, visible and invisible. That covers most bases. Uh, Whether thrones or powers or rulers, he is in control. He creates everything and is the ruler of everything. Says he is the firstborn over creation. Anyone here the firstborn, the eldest in in their family of kids? Okay, You can often tell the firstborn, can't you, in terms of how they carry themselves and how they expect things to come to them and, and live with dominance. Any younger siblings recognize that in their eldest? Yeah, yeah. I'm not an eldest sibling either. So, um, um, so we can even see this in our, in our own families. But in the Old Testament, there was, there was an even more significance. Um, the firstborn spoke of primacy both in time and in rank. The firstborn son uh, in a family has a special place. He is the one who inherits, inherits. He has primacy over the others. He has authority under the father over the rest of the family. We see this in Jesus. He has authority under the Father, over the rest of the family. It's important, again, to note that Jesus is, uh, is the creator. He has always existed. He is not part of creation himself. He created all things, created by him, for him, and through him. So it's important for us to know that, that he is powerful. But I want us to just take one moment to, to grasp some of how powerful he is. So um, we've got bonfire night coming up. I haven't done a risk assessment for this. Who who are our stewards? Um, Steve, are we happy for uh, for a lighted match? Great. Um, Fire exits are around. Um, So uh, we have bonfire night coming up. um, And you know if you have a a big bonfire, they often put a cordon round so you don't get too close. Um, But actually you don't don't really need that because as soon as you start getting close to a, a big bonfire, there's absolutely no way you can get right close in because it's, it's just far too hot. Um, um, in contrast, let's just look at the uh, the match. You knew it wasn't going to light the first time. There we go. So um, we have a match there. Uh, Sarah, are you kind of fi- feeling danger because of how hot it, you, it is in proximity to this flame? Are you okay? So actually, to to get into any trouble with a, with a match, you had to actually get fairly close to have any sense of, of heat or pain. Um, you can take a, a sigh of relief. That's the fire over, um, Steve. But what I, I want us to see is um, to grasp some of the, the vastness of, of who God is and how Jesus has created. Um, so imagine um, we take the, the temperature at the very center of the sun and we heat this tip of the match to that uh, level of heat. So um, I can say that, Sarah, you would no longer be safe um, if this tip of the match was heated to the level of the center of the sun. Is everyone following me, what I'm saying? Okay, great. (coughs) Don't worry, this isn't a science lesson. Uh, Some people are worried. (laughs) Um, So if this was heated to the centre, the the, um, heat of the center of the sun, you would not be safe where Sarah is sitting, um, Carlos, I'm afraid you wouldn't be safe either. Um, to be safe, you'd actually have to be um, somewhere in Poland. That's the, that's the power of the heat of, of the sun. You have to be um, over 1,000 miles away for you to be safe from that heat. Even just that tiny, small amount shows the incredible power of the sun, shows the incredible power of our God, that anyone who came within um, a thousand miles would have be been instantly killed just from this tiny, small amount um, of, of this matter. So, that could be an interesting science experiment. You can, you can tell your friends, um, and I'm sure you'll become more popular as a, as a result. But this should bring a response of worship. This is just one small thing that helps us to see the, the vastness of creation and the vastness of God's power. Because often we know that God is powerful. We, we can say it, we can sing it. But it's often in times like that, when we, we look at the, the power of creating the sun or the power in holding the whole universe together, it helps us to see that God is powerful. And it also um, brings a, a newness to the, to the truth. If God is our refuge and strength. He is the one who is alongside. If we are living in that truth, if we know the power of God, that brings a whole new dynamic, doesn't it? If God is our refuge and strength, and we know how powerful and vast and strong he is. So he formed with power. He also formed with purpose. Isaiah 43, verse 6 tells us, Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, who I formed and made we are created to bring him glory. Just as we can wonder at his power, as we wonder at his beauty, as we can look to him, we are formed to bring him praise. Okay, so next we have his supreme over all time. Verse 17, we saw that he is before all things. He's there in the beginning. Verse 18, we read that he is the firstborn from among the dead. No one had ever gone down into death and rise again, never to die. God's new creation is now begun. God's plan is not to fix up um, the old creation, but inaugurate something new. God is there at the beginning, and he's there at the end. And this helps us when we walk through difficult times. So last year, in life group, we prayed um, for a period of probably six months. You know, in life groups, you say, what can we pray for? We were trying to get um, the right support for some of our kids at, at school. And it was a long process, both in terms of, of, of time and of finance and energy. And time after time, so what can we pray for? This is what we were consistently praying for. Um, and we were, we, were, we were confident that, that God would, would come through and that we're, the thing that we were praying for would, would happen. But um, after six months, um, it didn't. The outcome didn't happen. And we're like... God, we thought this was right. And so this was the time for us to press into this truth, that Christ is over all from beginning to end. If he's in control at the beginning of time, and he's in control at, at, at the end of time, then God is in control in the midst of the situation. But how many of us know it's, that's really difficult when you're walking through a difficult time? You can, you can know it in your mind. You can know it when you're saying it to someone else who's walking through a difficult time. But these are truths to to cling on to. Now, interestingly, six months on again from the time we've been praying, um, actually, God had a different, better plan in mind. And we're glad that he didn't answer the prayer in the way that we're praying. How many many others of us have experienced that? And we're actually glad, glad God, He didn't answer the prayer that I was praying. So even in the midst of difficult times, we're to know that God is in control from beginning to end. And we need to trust him. He's in control over all of space and of all of time. He is also supreme in sustaining. Um, verse 17 tells us he holds everything together. And this is an active sustaining. So um, if you think uh, cooking at home, I don't cook very often at home, but normally the kids can tell when I when I have, because things are normally um, well done. Um, which I think it's better to be well done than undercooked. That's my general principle. But trying to balance everything and bring everything together at the right time, whether that's cooking or whether it's the things that you need to do that week, we get flustered. We can't do it. But in him, all things hold together. He's why gravity works. He's why the food that we eat gets digestive. He's why, he's why water goes through the water cycle. The laws of nature only hold true because Jesus keeps them together. And we can ask does God know about me? Is he involved? And the truth is, he's involved in thousands of ways without us even knowing. He upholds the universe, and he keeps us alive each day by his grace. Not because we've done anything. This is an undeserved free gift. God hasn't just wound up the universe and let it go and let it go on with itself. No, He he's involved, and each and every, each and every breath that we take is because God gives it. He is over all, and he sustains us. Next, he is supreme over the church. Verse 18, let's read that. It says, and he is head, the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So he is the creator of everything and also the head of the church. This here is speaking of the universal church, the church worldwide and over all time. All people who call on the name of Jesus. He's the head. Um, tell me, what's the function of, of your head? Let's have some ideas. Other than um, like for, for other other than looking amazing, what is the what is the role of, of our heads? Why why do we have them? To think, yeah. Contain our brains, Contain our brains yeah. Control our bodies, Control our bodies yeah. With five senses, excellent. If, if we didn't have our head, we would be in significant trouble. Um, head brings vision, it brings leadership, it brings direction. You think of a, a head teacher or of a head of operations. Um, so God's heart is, 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 un, is union with his people. And the image here is of that being closely related to us like the head is to the body. The church is God's way of reaching this world and bringing in his rule and reign. Jesus is with us. He's leading us. Not only does Jesus make and guide galaxies, he makes and guides churches as well. We're to look to him as Christ over all. Uh, A couple more um, as we're looking at, at who Jesus is. He is supreme in the fullness of God. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So Jesus is fully God, he's not a a demigod. Yes, he is submissive to the Father, but that is about role, not about status. He is is fully God, he is equal with God the Father, but has a different role. Over history, some haven't liked the idea of the all-powerful God coming in weakness as a baby and then dying in shame and humiliation on the cross. So they say that the deity came on Jesus at his baptism. And it it left before his crucifixion. But the thing is, we don't get to choose those things. We don't get to choose what what God is like. We may prefer that because we can't imagine a God who who would suffer in that way, or a God who would um, humble himself in that way. But this is the true wonder of who God is, that he would humble himself and come as a man. Because that's the only way that we could, as human beings, get to know God. God in human form, fully man, fully God. And this is the way that he brings reconciliation. He's supreme in reconciliation. Verse 20, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on heaven or uh, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So it's only Jesus being fully God and fully man that could bring reconciliation. And in his death, God and the human race were brought together so as we've seen the supremacy of God in, in creation over all time in sustaining all things imagine what it would be like for, for those that you've created to rebel against you to go their own way what would you do I think I might, I might be tempted to well you've made your bed well will in it you, you go and do your own thing but this shows how, how very different Jesus is. He makes peace through his blood shed on the cross. In humility, in dying, in bleeding on the cross. So here's what, this is um, Glenn Scrivener again. He says, here's what Jesus did as head of his people. He plunged down into death. He descended into everything that destroys and perverts perverts create his creation. He took all that stuff on himself and plunged into hell itself so that on the cross he could burst out through the other side into a new kind of resurrection life. He goes on to say, But here's the good news. Where our head has gone, we, the body, will follow. He is like the needle passing through the thick black cloth and out the other side. He was the firstborn coming through, but we are like the thread pulled along behind. And because of his death and resurrection, Jesus has conquered sin, Satan, death, and hell. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. This is the wonderful truth that we are caught up in. This is still true on Monday morning when we are just waking up and feeling, am I, am I even alive? What, what day is it? Who am I? This is the truth that we can lean into and hold on to. So Jesus is the image of God. He's the firstborn over creation and from among the dead. Creation is by him and for him. Before all things, um, he's before all things and holds them together. He's the head of the body. In him rests the fullness of God, and he is the reconciler. As we list it like that, we know that he's, he's not narrow. He's the way to know the living God. So finally, what I wanted to do is to go to that, that third question. When God pictures you, what does he think of? When God pictures you, what does he think of? Well, you might go back to, to school reports. I don't know what your reports were like. You might have had... Um, that could do better. For me, it was always handwriting, could improve with handwriting. Or you might think, actually, I'm, I'm pretty good. You might think, I'm, I'm top of the class, looking around at people gathered here. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing too badly in comparison to them. <laughs> I'm not saying that, by the way. Um, another view is that we can have a picture of our status with God, maybe a bit like a, a dimmer switch. I wonder if, if Dale, can you... Um, on the stage lights, can you grab the Grand Master? Um, and so, actually, if you look now, um, another health and safety, if you can see any one of the lights, don't look directly at it, but kind of um, look near it. Uh, if you can... So you might feel Sunday morning, or you've been to a big conference, you think, yes, I'm blazing bright. Um, I'm full for God. And then uh, can you put it down to about halfway? Um, and so the... Is that dimming? Yeah. So you might think, okay, maybe middle of the week, things are getting a bit stressful. My light isn't as bright. And then put it all the way down. Um, and you think, it's hard. Um, the whole week has, has gone off the rails. I don't feel like I'm shining brightly for God at all. Um, you can think, we can think that, that life is, is like that. It's, it's, it's a dimmer switch. Um, sometimes bright when we're on fire. And at other times, um, it's, it's just gone. Yeah, you can put it. All the way back up now. Thanks. Um, Actually, the the situation is more like a a lights on-off switch. I'll tell you what, Dale. Let's do this. Um, Choose any of the top row of of lights and flick one of them off. There we go. So the side ones have have gone off. Um, Actually, our position before God is is like an an on-off switch. It's not that when we're doing well, God um, thinks, actually, they're they're really good. I'm going to show my favor to him. Um, it's more like an on-off switch. So in the, in the off position, verse 21, it um, says, Once you were an alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. The switch is, was off. Alienated, enemies, evil. When the whole universe is for Jesus and you are not for Jesus, you are living opposite to the way of life. You are spiritually dead. Oh, we're still spiritually dead at the moment, Dale. You can leave us off for the moment. Oh, different one. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Um, so we're still spiritually dead. Um, when you're not with, united with Jesus, the firstborn from among the dead, it's, this is our status. We are um, evil, alienated, an enemy. After the fall, when we turned from God, the unity and harmony of the cosmos suffered a break. The holy God separated from his people by sin. But verse 22, it says, But now... He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy um, in his sight without blemish and free from accusations. These two brilliant words, it says, but now, speaks of a new way of life, completely different to the way we were before. While we are still sinners, it says in Romans, Christ died for us. One mediator, Christ deals with the problem of sin in his death. Earlier we, we read uh, last week in, one, uh, in Colossians 1.13 uh, that you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. From being dead in sin to being alive in God. Okay, you can flick our light back on. So we're either um, in or out. Once we put our trust in Jesus, then we are blameless in his sight. We are holy in his sight So it's important for us not to live the kind of dimmer switch mentality where we think our status before God is is based on on what we have done. We are to put our trust in Jesus, whatever your Monday morning is going like. We are blameless. We are free from accusation. But importantly, we are to keep pressing firmly on, verse 23. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel this is the gospel that you heard has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So being a Christian isn't a one-off experience. It isn't a one-off moment. It continues day by day. We have a responsibility to grow and mature in faith, knowing that the foundation is Jesus. So as we recognize that Christ is over all, we see the futility of going after anything else for, for satisfaction for peace, for hope. And so we're to look at our lives and think we may sing to Jesus on a Sunday, but then through Monday to Saturday we might be relying on on science or ourselves or or the opinion of someone else. We're to know that the gospel is true and it goes to every creature. This is the extent of his power. I don't know if you've been um, reading this during the week, last, uh, last Sunday, we, we gave these out. If you haven't got a copy of this um, Colossian study, I encourage you to, to pick one up at the back afterwards. Uh, and this helps us, um, uh, five readings for, for the week, to really dig into some of these truths that uh, we are reading and discovering. So I encourage you to pick one up and, and go through it. Um, during the readings this week was uh, this statistic, it says, by 2020... Christianity will have grown from 11.4 million Christians in East Asia, and that is uh, um, in 1970. Sorry, let me say that again. By 2020, Christianity will have grown from 11.4 million Christians in East Asia in 1970, which is 1.2% of the population at the time, to 171.1 million, or 10.5% of the, the population. So in 1970, 1.2% of the population were Christians. By 2020... Um, 10.5% of the populations of East Asia will be Christian. Um, And then the other statistic in there was, in 1910, uh, 12 million people, or 9% of Africa's population, were Christians. But they will number 630 million, or 49.3% of the population by 2020. So incredible growth. In 1920, 9% of Africa's population were Christians. By 2020, it will be 49.3% of the population the power of the gospel is, is undeniable and this gives us real confidence because again in, in these uh, the notes this week it says the power is not in the sower, it's not in, in you and me, the power is in the seed the power is in the truth of the gospel that Christ is over all so just as we um, conclude this morning um, we can be nervous of, of power and, and rightly so at times we can see how much corruption there is but this is not true with, with Jesus. He reigns with the supreme power and is perfect in his righteousness. So let's ask this morning, who is in control of our lives? Are we driven by goals, the expectations of others? Are we controlled by fears? This morning we should to know that Christ is over all. This is Christ's world. We're made by Christ, sustained by Christ, inherited by Christ, reconciled by Christ. We are proclaiming Christ in everything. The question is, is our vision of Jesus this big? One of the very practical things that we can do to apply this is, this coming week, as, as Paul mentioned, on Friday we have an opportunity to, to pray and to fast whether that's be fasting from food or or TV or whatever that might be. It's an opportunity to say, yes, I believe that Christ is over all and I'm living this out. This is my way of of trusting in him as we come in in prayer. The reason that we can come in confidence in prayer is because we know that God is over all and that he can move in power. So we've got that opportunity on on Friday. And then next Sunday night, we have an opportunity to, to come and see what God would do. It's been exciting to see what what God's doing amongst us as a church in in terms of healing, in terms of his power and presence amongst us. Next Sunday night, um, our Ashley Road site is an opportunity to come and say, God, we're here. When you come and speak, when you come and move, an opportunity to surrender to Christ over all. So I really encourage you to be there at 7 o'clock next week and, in fact, to be praying about what God might be saying. It take some time on that Friday. God, what do you want to say to us? as a church where do you want us to be going where do you want us to be focusing our attention so this week let us live with confidence and boldness with Jesus as our creator let us live in submission knowing that Jesus is our sustainer he is in full control let's live at peace with God in the wonder that Jesus is the one who reconciles and has brought us into relationship with him for worship and let us live with hope know that Jesus ushers in a new age and that we have hope for the future. He's Christ over all. Why don't we stand and respond to this incredible revelation?